Hello, friends. Welcome to Something to Talk About, a podcast where different people come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it applies to our lives. This is our first episode in a new season where we will be talking about the book of Habakkuk and what it looks like to wrestle faithfully with God. I'm Amber Barrett, and joining my co-host Aaron and me in conversation today are Madison Ewers and Georgie Martinez. Georgie, uh, tell us a little bit about how you and Madison know one another. So Madison and I met back when we were in college. We were actually freshmen, and we went through sorority recruitment together. And uh, you may not know this, but Madison actually became the president of our sorority, and she so fun. was an amazing leader, and I just had to shout her out because she was an amazing leader. But we really got to know each other throughout our four years there, especially our senior year. We, we got really close, and we had a amazing group of Christian women who we did ministry with through our sorority. And uh, yeah, Madison was an amazing leader. Just have to shout her out. Really hate that. You, if you could see Madison as soon as you started saying that, just shaking her head, shaking her head. But I think that's great. Madison, did you think that you were going to be head of sorority when you when you first joined? Did you have aspirations? I absolutely did not. You did not. Um, the night before our sorority recruitment started, I actually cried to my older sister and was like, why am I doing this? This is silly. I should not be going through recruitment. So it has got to be stressful. It's a little different mm-hmm. at uh, AU. It's yep. a little more more low key, but it's still pretty crazy. Well, I'm glad the two of y'all found a good friendship in the midst of it. And we are going to now ask our first things first question. And as you answer it, you're going to give us a little bit more of a bio on yourself and then answer the question. Okay. So the first things first question, <laughs> a little dangerous today is what is the first thought you remember having today that you can share publicly? So my name is Madison Ewers, and I have grown up in Augusta, but did not get connected to this church until I was in later years of college. I was in school at Augusta University, as Georgie mentioned, we both were, and got involved with Campus Outreach as a student and actually came to Christ um, through our sorority, through other women doing sorority ministry. And now I'm on staff with Campus Outreach and work here at the church most of the time doing administrative work for the ministry, which kind of bleeds into a little bit of the first things first question. So because I work at the church, I was trying to get here early this morning. And my bribe to myself was that I would get Starbucks coffee if I got out of bed early. So my first thought was how much longer can I snooze? And can I still get Starbucks on the way to work? I love it. You bribed yourself first thing Mm -hmm. to get yourself out of bed. Yes, I did. (laughs) All right. So my name is Georgie Martinez, and I am from Augusta, actually. I'm married to Andrew Martinez. We do not have any pets or children at the moment, (laughs) just trying to tend after ourselves and just just making it through, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been married for three years. I am a wedding photographer as my profession, which is very fun and enjoyable. And the first thought I had this morning was it felt so good to lay in bed. And I thought for me, Mondays are usually very, very chill. And so I was like, oh, good. It's Monday. It's my favorite day of the week. I can just lay here a little bit longer. And then I looked over at my phone and I started seeing so many things pop up and I was like, I got to get out of bed. There's too much to do. So it went from, I have all the time in the world. Let me lay here to get yourself out of bed. We got to go. So that's what I thought of. You got to put that phone up because I'm thinking if there's no kids and no pets <laughs> to get you out of the bed and you can put that phone in a different room, you got to put it in true. timeout. I yeah. do. Although I may never have gotten up. <laughs> well, there's that. 
So when I woke up this morning, I woke up to my very cute little son, my youngest son, and he was snuggling up with me, and it was just so sweet. So yeah, just after the snuggles, get up, start the day, and like Georgie, just ticking off the both of y'all, just saying how you just think about, all right, Lord, what are we doing today? Just go through the to-do list. There's nothing wrong with starting with some snuggles. I know, it was great. Well, today was one of those Mondays where I woke up and I thought, where am I? Who am I? (laughs) What day is it? I was too tired to get my bearings. It really was. My alarm goes off pretty early. And when I felt that vibration on my wrist, it took me a minute to catch myself and to figure out what day it was. And my alarm goes off early and I got to get up when it goes off. I'm going to be late for the early thing that I'm supposed to be there for. So I had to get up and get rolling. But it took me a little bit, uh, a little while to shake off the cobwebs for sure. Uh, Today, we are beginning our study in Habakkuk, and as we learned from our overview last week, Habakkuk's a prophet that's so weary from looking at the evil around him that he's having trouble getting his bearings. Uh, He's unsure of much that he's always been sure of in the past, and he has big questions for God. He's kind of shaking off those cobwebs of doubt and frustration. Now, if you listened to the podcast last week, you heard Dr. Kim McHurd give an overview of the book of Habakkuk, and he talked about the fact that Habakkuk was a prophet who received, who saw, an oracle from God. Therefore, what we have in Habakkuk is God's inspired word to his people. It was written to and about God's people living in Habakkuk's day, but it is very relevant to us in our day as well. Habakkuk was living at a time when God's people were pulling away from their covenantal roots. They were moving outside of the bounds of God's good law and into increasing violence, strife, conflict, and evil. This book of Habakkuk is a dialogue between the prophet and God about this miserable state of affairs. Now, the book is only three chapters long, and it follows this pattern. Habakkuk complains to God. God answers Habakkuk. Habakkuk complains to God about God's answer, and God answers him again. And Habakkuk responds in a wonderfully worshipful prayer. Now, throughout the entirety of the book, Habakkuk wrestles with the reality of evil and God's way of responding to it. But he wrestles faithfully. While Habakkuk is not afraid to come to God with his uninhibited questions and complaints, he is utterly committed to waiting on God's answer. He has no thought of turning away. So today we're going to be talking about specifically Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, Habakkuk's first complaint. And Aaron, would you read these four verses for us and give us a few helpful insights? All right, let's do it. This is from the English Standard Version. Here we are in verse one. Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth for the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. So the characters we see just in these opening verses, obviously Habakkuk's present. He's a prophet. He's been a minister to Judah, rebellious Judah now for 50 years, probably. He has in his recent memory the fall of the northern kingdom, even though that was well before his time. Like he knows that the northern kingdom of Israel has already fallen. I thought it was interesting how um, how Dr. Glodo pointed out last night. He's not just crying out about the wickedness of the Babylonians that are sure to come to Judah, but he's crying out about the wickedness of the kings that have been oppressing the people of Judah. So he's seen Manasseh fall. He's seen Nineveh fall. He's also seen good kings like Judah. So he's he's been there. He's got a long track record of being faithful, walking alongside the Lord, even in this time that's tumultuous. Like he's he's not in this peace and prosperity vibe mm-hmm. of Judah. It's been a rough run. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's a little bit different because he initiates out with his complaint to God. So it's not the Lord coming to him and saying, hey, write this stuff down for the people. He's initiating the beginning of the book and just complaining to the Lord like, you know what? I've been walking with you a long time. Why is this still happening? Are you? It just seems like you are. He's putting out his honest complaint of why are you just watching and not doing anything? Deliver your people. It almost has when I was meditating over this morning um, some the Lord's prayer, like deliver us from evil, your kingdom come. Like he's crying Mm -hmm. out those things Mm -hmm. using his own words, but he's crying out those things for the Lord to do. Some other things I just thought that were interesting in there. He's saying things that we sometimes feel uncomfortable saying like, Lord, are you trustworthy? Are you wise? Are you sovereign? Are you good? Are you evil? Like Mm -hmm. he's putting that out there. But I think that's what's so interesting is that he's taking it straight to the Lord instead of like complaining to his mama or his brother or his wife, or whoever, like other good people in his life, like he's taking it to the Lord. He's saying, this isn't right. And I know you've been good and faithful. I've been walking with you for a long time. Help me see what's real. So I think that's just refreshing to see him, even as a leader, a prophet, a preacher of his time, taking his doubts to the Lord and his anger to the Lord and just waiting, waiting Mm -hmm. upon the Lord to answer him. I think the last thing I wanted to just comment on this section right now is just how God's word gives us the words to say when we we lack the words. So we have passages like Habakkuk and the Psalms that put the prayers in our mouth when we don't even know how to faithfully go to the Lord. He gives us the words to say that give us room to have honest doubt and bring that before him. And he also shows up as our helper. Like we're not just left drowning in a pool of doubt he's he shows that he is faithful to be our helper and pull us out of that all right so as we're reflecting over these first four verses let's hear from you georgie and madison what did you think that was interesting or surprising in that opening passage of habakkuk so what i found really interesting aside from the desperation in his voice was really the parallels between these four verses and the questions that we as believers and also many people in this world, non-believers, believers alike, ask just the questions of why, why do bad things happen? Why is evil in this world? I thought that just reading those four verses alone, I couldn't help but feel the same feelings that he was saying. And I just found that so interesting because for me, I, a lot of times have a, have a harder time connecting personally, maybe to old Testament scriptures. It's just like a struggle I have. I don't know. But when I read those verses, I just, I could feel everything that he felt. Hmm. That really does say something about how, I don't know if gut honest is really the right expression, but how he is speaking out of that human heart, that human condition that we all share and the reality that we weren't created to live in the midst of evil and brokenness that we feel. Fortunately, we feel that we haven't been so overcome that we're not aware of it. And it really does evoke that type of emotion and complaint. And yeah, like you said, Aaron, that God gives us words for it like that, that are are so real that you feel it when you read it. So this is the first time that I've really sat down to study Habakkuk. And initially, when I saw that we had the first four verses, I was very intimidated, especially the title at the top being Habakkuk's complaint. I thought, oh no, Uh, what am I going to make godly out of complaint? (laughs) But as I sat down and studied this over the last week, I was really struck by um, in the midst of things that Habakkuk just can't make sense of, all the violence and wickedness around him, 
that there are subtle things pointing to what he believes is true about God. The thing that really stood out was in the beginning when he starts out, oh, Lord, and that that Lord is the all capital Lord. So he's referring to Yahweh, the God that keeps his covenants. And I think that that just really demonstrates to us when we are in the midst of so much chaos and we can't understand what's going on in the world. There is one thing that we can lean on as truth, that we know God's character and we know he's a God that keeps covenants. We know that he's a God that is not satisfied in the violence and the destruction. And um, as Habakkuk is crying out, he's hurting and the things that he's hurt by, God is also hurt by. So it actually ended up being really worshipful studying this first four verses of Habakkuk saying, I don't understand, but Lord, I trust you. Um, And here are the things that I know to be true, that you are a God who keeps your covenant and you're hurt by the things that I'm hurt by. You just summed it up. I feel like, like you're talking about how we're uncomfortable. It feels almost unrighteous to Mm -hmm. complain. Mm -hmm. Like we've been told that our whole lives, like we shouldn't complain, especially as Christians, like we shouldn't, that's not our go-to is complaining. But if we don't take our anger to the Lord, it's only going to distance us from him. It's when we trust in his promises, like you're talking about that. Well, we, when we say what we know to be true about the Lord to ourselves, trust in his promises, that's what moves the dial. Not us just like hiding our complaint from the Lord mm-hmm. where we're only going to get further and further away from him. That was mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. appreciate you bringing that into the conversation. Well, and the fact that you say, too, that he must have recognized that God cares about the things he cares about. So he's appealing to Yahweh. He's appealing to his character. He appeals to what he knows about God. And his complaint is, if this is true about you, I do not understand why I could be crying out to you about something that you obviously care about, that you obviously um, is not jiving with your character and what you want and yet you don't seem to be doing anything about it so Mm -hmm. that's that's kind of thing like why are you looking idly at this wrong i know i know you to be different than that so if y'all are thinking about that the fact that habakkuk didn't understand why god wasn't doing something uh, why he seemed to be ignoring habakkuk's cries for help can you describe an experience in your own life when you were struggling to understand god's way with you or with something or someone in your life So I think I have two circumstances that kind of float into one another. So to work for Camps Outreach staff, we raised the entirety of our salary. And that was a really challenging process for me. Um, It took longer than a lot of my coworkers took to raise their support. And once I finally hit support and was ready to start working, it was six weeks later that COVID hit. And so kind of in the wrestling of, Lord, I feel like you're calling me to staff. I don't know what you're doing when it's so hard to raise the support. And then the flip side, once I got there... And the world shut down and I couldn't do ministry anymore. And so I think that I just had to wrestle, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. Um, This all feels uncertain. So in the midst of all of that, I had a lot of just fear and anxiety and uncertainty. Um, And I remember regularly praying, especially about COVID, God, you could change these circumstances overnight. Why aren't you? You thought that the Lord's revealed will was one thing. Hmm. And he did act in ways that were very beneficial to you. Mm -hmm. And then yet it seems like it switches and it seems opposite of what he had revealed to you to begin with. And that is a hard place where you say, Lord, I thought you understood that you being you meant you would do this, but now you're still you, but you're doing this or you're not doing this. And I don't really understand. Yeah. So for me, (laughs) I really even hate talking about COVID because I'm like, it's too soon. But (laughs) Mm -hmm. it really was another another COVID story. So for me, uh, a really hard time was my husband, Andrew and I, we were just about to get married. And what do you know? COVID hits just the week before our wedding. And I was 
truly just so devastated. I was, it was something I really had to mourn for a long time. It sounds really silly because people were literally dying and everyone went through something really challenging during that time. But for me, as a wedding photographer, I had just really been dreaming you know, I, I would every weekend I was photographing someone else's beautiful, perfect today. And I just for years had been just waiting for my own. So that was just a really, really challenging time and something that I just really had to mourn. Spoiler alert, we did still get married just in my parents backyard. And it ended up being truly amazing. And if I look back now, I'm I think I wouldn't really change anything about it. But there was still a really big healing process that I really did have to go through. And just truly, I remember sitting in my car one day leading up to the wedding, just crying out, just really saying why. I mean, really asking why these things had to happen. Yeah, the whole the whole year of COVID was just, or two, three years, sorry, I don't know how many years I dragged on. Whole years of COVID were just, in general, a really, really hard time. Yeah, I'd say a lot of people are asking questions that they hadn't had to ask before during that time. So both of y'all are, are given experiences that are somewhat in the past. I'm curious, now that you look back at them, can you pinpoint things that were helpful to you as you wrestled with the Lord or, or maybe things that were a hindrance to you? Um, as you wrestle with the Lord and how what you're learning here in Habakkuk may have changed that or may affirm some of the things that you're already doing. Yeah. So some things that helped me in that time is kind of like Habakkuk did, seeking what is true of God's character, remind myself of evidence of his faithfulness, but also to me and to previous generations. I also, especially in the time of COVID, realized um, one of the ways that my idol of control plays itself out is wanting to understand and take in all of the information that I can. So a hindrance was that I was Googling things every day, especially in the beginning when we were in lockdown. And eventually I had to realize that was causing so much distrust of God and anxiety about the situations that I had to just completely stop cold turkey could not Google anything, couldn't click on any resources people were posting on social media. Um, and eventually I was able to realize that I did not understand the circumstances. God is a much better God. And I had to just kind of keep my hands open in the midst of so much uncertainty. Yeah, when I look back on that time, and even even leading up to this present moment, me sitting in this chair, I can see so much goodness that came out of that circumstance. Like I mentioned earlier, I wouldn't have changed a thing about it now that that it happened the way it did. Because God really used that to one, like Madison was saying, reveal idols in my heart that I had. I had been putting so much into this one silly event. I mean, poor Andrew over there. He, I I might as well forgot I was marrying him. I was so (laughs) focused on the wedding. So that really just like stripped away those idols from me and just revealed the sin in my heart that needed to, needed to be revealed. And God did it in such a way that I still, I, I, I had no choice but to rely on him and just be so thankful for the things that he did provide and in the ways that he did just make such a hard and sad time. He really made it something so beautiful and special for me that when I look back on my wedding day was still, it was just amazing, even though it was nothing that I thought it was going to be. 
I love how y'all are both talking about these moments of adversity. And I hear you both saying like, it's not helpful for us to look at God through the lens of our hard spaces, like through our adversity, Mm -hmm. but how we can freely take that adversity to him. Let's be honest. Like we know that Jesus has borne the ultimate adversity for us. And so he can carry our missed wedding or he can carry our support raising that you put so much effort into and get delayed on your work starting date and can't do ministry. And so I think it's one of those things that it just frees us up to be honest with the Lord about the things that we're walking through and that we can take our hardship and anger to him. Like he's the God with us, God. Hmm. And I think there's just so much comfort in that. We're on the heels of John coming off that Bible study last semester and how we just meditated over and over about how our God is the God who came to dwell with us to deliver us from our ultimate adversity. And we see the the that shaping up here in Habakkuk too. Well, I think too, just real quick, Aaron, it's making me think that if you can take those things, you're wrestling those out with him. It, it probably didn't look picture perfect as you're wrestling. You can't maybe even put full expression to it. Maybe you don't feel glad about it after you do. Maybe it takes you a while to get to an understanding of who God is in the midst of it. Maybe you're still getting to that understanding. But what I think is uh, a mark of grace is the fact that the Lord can take something from us that we love, in a sense, reveal himself to us along the way, such that we look back and say, we're grateful. Mm -hmm. There's just no other way you can look back and say, I'm grateful, I'm glad. I'm glad that that, that you took that unless the Lord had revealed himself to be your loving father in in the midst of that. So I think that's just testimony. It doesn't feel that way, maybe necessarily on the front end, but to get behind or to get to the other end of it and be willing to look back and say, I'm glad that, I mean, that to me is miraculous. Yeah. I think this narrative, at least when I'm reading through it, is just a reminder that we never see the full picture. And so for us to try to define what is good or helpful in our narrow focus is a fool's errand. Like only the Lord can truly say what is good and helpful and he can sovereignly ordain that. And when we come up with what is good, our our good plan, it's always going to fall short. Mm -hmm. All right. So as we just continue the conversation, how do we tend to respond to the evil around us when we see it in our society or even in our church community? And what's instructive about the way we see Habakkuk crying out to the Lord in the evil surrounding him? Yeah. So I think this this question really struck me because, honestly, I just felt really convicted because when I see evil in the world, I think my initial and first reaction is really just to kind of look away or just try and ignore, unless, of course, it has some sort of personal effect on me. Mm-hmm. I mean, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm selfish clearly and just I don't even know a lot of sinful a lot of sinful words there but um but yeah I think my first first reaction is probably just to turn away or just to try and not want to see what is happening but I think it's really convicting that the passage is he's literally lamenting and pouring his soul out to the Lord over this evil that he's seeing. And I mean, I, we should all be doing that, crying to the Lord about the injustice that we see, I mean, around us every day. And I just, I don't think that I personally take enough time or energy crying out to the Lord in that way. 
Well, that resonates with me too. I've I've thought the same thing that I tend to maybe want to redefine what I see or not look at it or whatever, or just what you stated so honestly. I'm not really that bothered because it doesn't really affect me. And you you think, man, that's ugly, but it's true oftentimes. And so I've been thinking, am I upset about the evil as it relates to the Lord? You know, like I think Habakkuk's real struggle is this is who you are, God. These are your covenant people. These are the promises you've made to them. You're supposed to be bringing salvation out of them, but instead it's the opposite. It's corruption. It's violence. It's injustice. And he's angry about that. And yeah, it does affect him, but it's not necessarily, and it's not wrong to cry out to the Lord at all about the things that affect us. We're learning that here too. But I was thinking, man, am I upset about injustice compared to the glory of the Lord? Like, do I so prize that and who he is that I'm bothered by what I see outside of that and I I don't very often so I'm I'm with you on that I feel like that's something that is convicting to me I think my reaction is actually pretty opposite to Georgie but still just as sinful my reaction is what can we do what can I do who can we go talk to let's do something about this and even just as you were speaking Amber that's challenging to me that I'm I'm bothered by the way it affects other people but I'm not so much bothered by the injustice to God so I feel convicted even by those thoughts and I think that this passage instructs us by saying Lord you are Yahweh you are the one that is better and higher than us and that we can cry out to you and even that you do instruct us to cry out to you and kind of just relating to a thought I shared earlier is that he's saddened by the things that hurt us and wants us to come to him. I'm challenged by the way that Habakkuk cries out with his true and honest feelings around the circumstances rather than saying, God, what can I do here? Use me even in a a sinful yet somehow pretending to be God honoring way. He just says, God, do something here. I think one of the prayers I heard my friend pray one time, and I've echoed over the years, when somebody personal has hurt me, I'm like, Lord, go get your girl. And that one just has stuck with me because it's one of those things I don't always maybe even feel the need to intervene. I don't even know what is right, but it's like, okay, something's not working. We're chafing. Like, we're in this working relationship, but I can't fix it, Lord. I know you can. So, you know, Lord, do your thing. Like, show up. Help me to, like, show me. I think that was another thing that kept coming to mind when Mm -hmm. I was reading through this is, like, the Lord's ways are not my ways, and search me, oh, Lord. Show me my sin in this mess. And I think y'all, we're all saying that together, just like, I'm not innocent in the matter. Like, I'm bringing my own mess to the party. So, like, Lord, help me and go get your girl. Like, help us to do better to serve your people. And I think it's just like a society at at large. I think this is one of my favorite prayers is Jesus help. And I think it's a great prayer, but also it is like, Madison, you're talking about how you maybe have that tender heart to see the needs. But it's like, I don't know what I can do. It's like, again, like, Lord, do your thing. Show up and help your people. But I think just for me, I think the thing is like the call to action. Like, I have a role to play here. Help me to righteously go out and do the work that you've prepared for me to do. I'm not called to just sit on the couch and watch things roll by. Like, the Lord has given me work to do, and help me to be honorable to go out and do the work that you've prepared for me to do. No, I I love the way that you are explaining that. You've told me that prayer before, go get your girl. And if you're wondering what she means by that, it's essentially, Lord, you, you know what's going on with her, and you can both convict and show mercy and bring her about restoration in your girl. You're talking about the girl who offended you or, yeah, you know, is that like she's my sister in Christ. Yeah. I don't know how to fix the situation. Like, Lord, help me out. Like, yeah. help us. You're bringing together kind of with Georgie and Madison saying what seems like two opposites, right? 
Georgie and I are saying, hey, we tend to not want to look at it if it doesn't affect us personally. You know, our self-centeredness gets in the way of really having a desire to see God's justice done. And then you have Madison, who it wouldn't seem her reaction so opposite, like, I am going to do something about this. I do not like, you know, injustice. But her self-centeredness could get in her way, too, because it's I am going to do and I'm going to do X, Y and Z and it's going to turn out like this and whatever. And neither one are really looking to the Lord. So what you're saying is, Lord, help. And I don't get the full thing. And yet I'm not going to be just still either. Mm-hmm. I'm going to petition you. I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to seek you as I move. I'm going to just bring those things to you first and then find the action. Yeah, but to be fair, let's not make me the hero. I do tend to get frozen into like doing nothing because I don't know what to do. Like there's so many things like I don't know how to navigate through the situation. So it is, again, just like, Lord, help me see the way forward. Yeah. Well, and I think we're going to talk about the way forward to end this is just what is the gospel connection here? And Erin, I know you've got something to say with this, too, but I'm going to start us out just because as I was thinking about this, when Dr. Kim McCurdy taught our leaders training this past Saturday, and he made the point that there's no direct messianic references in Habakkuk, you're not going to see a direct prophecy about Christ that comes true at a later at a later point or that's referenced later. And yet what you do see all throughout Habakkuk is the need for salvation and the promises of salvation that could only be met in Christ. You see that all the way through. So it's pointing to that throughout the entire book. And here in that first complaint, in the absolute, what seems like dissolution of God's covenant people, they need a savior and they need a king and they need someone to bring them back to righteousness. And that is who Christ is, what we look to him for. And because we're looking to Christ to do that full redemption, cleansing, restorative work, then we can and should cry out about the things that are evil and the things that are broken. Yeah, I think just through the whole book, we see that our option is to trust in our strength and our cleverness. And let's be honest, like we can look around and say like, okay, we're pretty smart. We have resources. We um, are pretty strong folks. Like we could, we have some stuff to trust in if we're being honest with ourselves. But it's like, okay, are we going to trust in that? We know how that goes. Like the biblical narrative tells us time and time and again, like if we trust in ourselves, it's going to go poorly. Or we can trust in the Lord and we can see his faithfulness throughout his covenant word. And we also know like the end of the story, like the Lord Jesus Christ has overcome our adversity. And so the, the he has borne the weight of the world on his shoulders and has delivered us from our, our despair and has given us hope. And I think we just see the beginnings of that happening in Habakkuk. And he's crying out to God who he's known to be good. And we can do the same. Well said. Well, Madison and Georgie, thank you both for joining us today. And listeners, we hope you'll join us again next week. You can let us keep you company on a Costco run to get some snacks for school. Or maybe while you're trying to get a cool evening walk, Scott and Aaron Kirchhoff will be joining us to talk about Habakkuk 1, 5 through 11. We hope you'll listen in.
Sometimes a light surprises the Christian wife she sees. It is the Lord who rises with healing in his wings. When comforts are declining, he grants the soul again a season of clear shining to cheer it after the rain. 